All right. Well, good to see all of you. Thank you for joining us. Also want to welcome those who are also watching online. And here we are. It's the new year, 2021. And I've got great expectations for this year. But those expectations are not based simply in my circumstances. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I have expectations, and they often encounter reality that is very different from my expectations. Uh, all through quarantine, I've been tinkering with this 30-year-old project car that I've got. Uh, it's a Miata, a Mazda Miata, 1990. Come on, somebody. Everything's rusted. And um, every time you go over a speed bump, it feels like the entire car is going to explode because the shocks, the coilovers in the car are 30 years old, never been replaced. Now, you know, a lot of people get Miatas to fix up because they're dirt cheap and the aftermarket parts are everywhere and, and they're cheap and they're pretty simple to work on and, and there's a million YouTube videos so that you can kind of figure out what to do. So I've never done a car before, but I've been working on this for a while and I've named her Quarantina, you know, because of quarantine. Anyway, um, every time there's a project, like right after Christmas, I, I had these shock absorbers that I've been meaning to put on forever, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So right after Christmas, uh, you know, I get everything set, and I, I always have expectations. This is going to take two to four hours. It's just a couple bolts, and, you know, you jack the car up a couple bolts, you replace the shocks, and you're good to go. It should be easy. And then every car project ends the same way. It takes me twice as long, three times as long as I thought it would. It always ends up at least once uh, in the project where I have a full skill full tilt meltdown like a two-year-old. Does any guy, any guy who works on cars know what I'm talking I'm talking about tools flying across the garage, people. I'm talking about losing my religion for a moment. And then I usually sit down after that and get a little emotional and start feeling like I'm not a man if I can't figure this out and get this done. And so anyway, that's what happened with this project. I sat down with the coilovers. I opened them up. I'm like two to four hours, but they weren't even assembled. So now I got to put the coilovers together and the directions are worse than Ikea. And so that took me two to four hours. And then I get them all pulled together. I start trying to put them in, but the old coilovers don't come out. It doesn't work like the YouTube videos. Mine are stuck. So I got to start taking subframe bolts out and taking the whole thing apart to try and get this, which means I got to go to the hardware store and get more tools twice. Every time there's a project, I'm back at the hardware store again and again and again. Anyway, it goes on forever. I did finally get it done though, just saying. I'm not sure they actually helped that much, but I did get it done. I'm believing they did, even though I can't feel it. Um, the, uh, the thing is, we have expectations and then we have reality. And it's frustrating when our expectations bump up against reality. I don't know about you and your job right now or work or family. Certainly a lot of us had expectations about 2021. And let's just say the first week has not exactly met those expectations. A lot of us were like, man, 2021, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be better. We're going to leave all this behind, right? Somebody said we're a week into 2021, and I want a refund already. 
Because like, here we are, the storming of the Capitol, all the political tension and drama, and then COVID and the COVID cases and the explosion of all of that. And we're trying to manage a new year that already is, feels a lot like, like last year. And so I don't know if you have great expectations that things will get better this year. If you think maybe they'll just stay the same. Some of you think they're going to get a lot worse. But here's what I want to encourage you with. No matter what 2021 brings... You can have great expectations because you have a great God. And your expectations aren't simply anchored in, re, in the, your circumstances, whether things go according to plan, whether things work out like you think they will. They're anchored in the character of God and who he is. And for the next five weeks, I want to look with you at God's goodness and at his character and how it can help us hold on to great expectations even when life is hard and difficult. We're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament for the next five weeks in Exodus chapter 34. And here's what's cool about this passage. Exodus 34, according to theologian Tim Mackey, is the most quoted Old Testament passage by Old Testament writers in the Bible. So if you go through the Psalms in the Old Testament, or the Proverbs, or the Prophets, or the history books of the Old Testament, the Old Testament writers quote the verse we're about to look at more than any other verse in the entire Old Testament. They either quote, quote it directly or they allude to it in their writings. In other words, to, to them, in their era, this was sort of like John 3.16. We talk about that today. You see it at football games and people hold up John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? Well, this was a passage that was an anchor passage for these followers of God in the Old Testament. And the reason it's so key is because it reveals the character of God. But it doesn't just reveal it. It's God himself revealing his character to his people at a pivotal time. So let me set it up. Exodus 34, the Israelites have been called out of slavery. Moses is leading them. They're um, in the wilderness. They're headed towards the promised land of Israel. And on the journey, um, things get tense. God, he, God gives them the Ten Commandments. But before that deal is even settled fully. It's like the Israelites create a golden calf and they literally bow down and worship it. And they actually say when they worship this calf, behold the God who brought us out of Egypt. Dude, God is angry. Moses, the leader, is like devastated. It's crazy town. And it felt like Everything was about to come off the hinges. <laughs> Doesn't it kind of feel like that right now in our lives? And that's where Moses was. And what I think is so cool about Exodus 34 is God reveals his character to remind Moses and the people who he is in a time of crisis. We're in, a, in our own situation. We're navigating our own crises in our personal lives. We're navigating the national crises we see unfold on TV. And I think what we need to anchor into more than anything else right now as followers of Jesus is the character of God and who he is and allow that to stabilize us and give us hope in the uncertainty of these days. So here's what God says about himself in the most quoted passage in the Old Testament by Old Testament writers. Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse six. And when we get to the red word here, 
I'm just gonna ask you to read this out loud with me, but here's what it says. It says, the Lord passed in front of Moses, what? Calling, calling out. So God is gonna call out his characteristics, who he is, Yahweh, the Lord. This is what God called out. The God of compassion and mercy. We're gonna unpack this, but this is pretty radical. The God of compassion and mercy. Not the God of power, not the God of strength, not the God who can crush you like a bug, not the God who simply rules the universe. Even though all those things are true, he introduces himself from the very beginning as the God of compassion and mercy. And we'll talk about this, but this would have been completely sort of almost embarrassing of an admission from a God in the ancient Near East in this time, like compassionate and mercy. This is how God introduces himself. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Listen, you can put your hope right now in the... in the economy. You can put your hope in a political party. You can put your hope in just an unwarranted optimism about the future. But the only way your hope is not going to be completely disappointed this next year is when you anchor your hope in the God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's where your hope has to be. And that's where we can put our hope this year. In fact, my encouragement to you for 2021, what I'm trying to continue to do in my own life is to relocate my hope so that I will renew my strength. Some of you, you need your strength renewed right now. Some of you are weary right now. Some of you are tired right now. You're tired of wearing masks. You're tired of social distancing. You're tired of trying to navigate health concerns. You're tired of navigating on less resources. You're tired of the drama in your family. You're tired of the news. You're tired of every time you kind of open your eyes or open an article or read something online, you see hate and division and all these things flying around, you're tired. You want to renew your strength? Relocate your hope. Put your hope in God. So that's my first thought for you is to simply relocate your hope in a God who we have great expectations of. I don't know if you set any New Year's resolutions this year, but I saw a few things on social media that were pretty funny, people trying to navigate their New Year's resolutions. I love this one. This person said, my pants are getting tight, so it's time to get serious about my resolution to buy bigger pants. Come on. Anybody else feel this way? I told Lori this last week. I said, if 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 I keep going and gaining weight the way I am in COVID, COVID, I mean, quarantine is going to give me a pre-existing condition that I didn't even have when this thing started. Anyway, buy bigger pants. Next one, my New Year's resolution is to be more efficient, so I'm giving up on it right now. Instead of wasting all January acting like I can achieve it. That's <laughs> great. Here's the thing about New Year's resolutions. You know, there's a little bit of hope involved in every New Year's resolution. Hope that your life will get better. Hope that spiritually you'll grow. Hope that financially or personally you'll grow, you'll develop. There's a hope connected to that sort of resolution. And these are often little hopes. But how much more important is it as we go into a new year to anchor in our bigger hopes on something that is foundational and that will last? Look, only God is big enough to ensure your greatest hopes. Only God can ultimately ensure the things that matter most to you in your life. And so Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 31, says this in this powerful passage. It says, but those who hope in the who? 
in the Lord will renew their strength. You want to renew your strength? Hope in the Lord. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you hope in the news, it's unlikely you're going to renew your strength. If you hope in a political party, it's unlikely you're going to renew your strength. If you put your hope in simply your job or the economy or the people around you, it's unlikely they're going to renew your strength. But if you hope in the Lord, he will renew your strength. You'll soar on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. And that doesn't mean your life will be easy. It doesn't even mean your life is any easier than the person who doesn't believe. You may be just as hard. It may even be harder. But through it all, we have a God that sustains us and carries us and gives us the power to keep going. And so let's look at who God is from Exodus 34 and why this is so important. We're gonna bring the scripture up here again on this side, and on this side I'm just calling out. We're gonna look at each one of these um, characteristics over the next five weeks. And this week we're gonna kind of anchor into this first one here in a little while, but, but it says this. It says, first of all, God says he's the God of compassion. And compassion is a powerful word. It means that he cares, that he's concerned, that he's even emotionally invested in the lives of his people. And we'll talk about this more here in a few minutes. Next week, we're gonna talk about this. He says he's a God of compassion and mercy, or it could be translated grace or favor. God has favor in his, here's what I'm confident of. No matter what 2021 brings, God is still going to give favor to you as his children. He's still gonna bless you. He's still gonna work in your life. He's still going to walk with you in your life. No matter what the year brings, you're not alone. You have the favor of God on you. And then he says, I'm slow to anger. He's patient. He's patient. And I'm glad God has a long, long, long fuse. And we need his patience right now. In my prayer, I've been praying for God's patience over our country. I've been praying for his patience in our church. I pray for his patience over my own life. Um, I'm grateful that God is slow to anger. Uh, he's filled with unfailing love, or you could say loyal love. It's from one word in the Hebrew language. It's unique to the Hebrew language, and it sort of is a word that means God, um, God's love is determined. It's committed. It's not based on necessarily what another person does. It's going to happen no matter what. He has loyal love and then faithfulness, that God will not abandon you or walk away from you, that God will do what he said he would do, that he is a faithful God. This is the picture that God gives of himself to us as his people. I'm compassionate. I have, I'm filled with mercy and favor. I'm patient. I'm loyal and I'm faithful. That's what we can hope in this year. Listen, your greatest hopes are only safe in the hands of your great God. And that's why it's so important for us to have a clear picture of who God is because listen, who he is is more important than what you do or what I do. Who he is, who God is, is more important than what they did. <laughs> who God is is more important than how you may have failed. Who God is is more important than what you may have lost. Listen, who God is is more important than, than what you fear. Who he is is more important than where you ended up. Who he is is more important than what others say cannot be done. 
Who God is is more important than how messed up everything feels. Who God is is more important than what uh, you know the future may hold because God's character is what determines your destiny. Listen, who God is is what anchors us in to have great expectations. You have a future because of who God is. You will smile again because of who God is. You will laugh again because of who God is. You will get through this because of who God is. Even if you face loss, you'll survive it because of who God is. Even if you face pain, you'll manage through it because of who God is. It's his character that sustains us. And we got to relocate our hope to the character of God. May we not trust in our own power, in our own ingenuity, in our own skill, in our own talent, in our own ability, but may we trust in the God of heaven and earth who is full of compassion and mercy and favor and faithfulness and loyal love and patience. That's where my hope is relocated. Here's a second thought for you, and that is to then expect God's compassion. Whatever you expect this year, you can expect God's compassion. His first characteristic that he introduces in, in Exodus 34 is one that we can hold on to in our lives. And that word compassion is a fascinating word. In fact, you know, when I think of compassion, I think of my wife, Lori. My wife, Lori, is kind. She's compassionate. She's the anchor of our home. She's patient. She's loving. And 99.9% of the time, I would describe Lori this way. She's the mama llama. Ain't got time for your drama. Come on, man. She's, she's amazing. But every now and then, if her kids get threatened, if her family gets threatened, something, she becomes something else. She becomes the mama bear. How many mama bears do we have in the room right now, right? A mama, only a mama bear knows. Man, it's next level. Like once our kids got lost in a department store and uh, Lori had that whole store closed down in minutes. It was, it was supernatural, man. Mama bear showed up, right? Every now and then over the years, uh, I'll get extra passionate with our kids. And see, Lori's dad was an engineer, so she was raised with a father who, you know, when he's really upset, he, he sounds like this. And when he's really sad, he sounds like this. Like he was, you know, he's always the same. And so for her, by the way, when you marry, those of you that are single or dating, like when you marry, you're, all, you're bringing everybody in to that marriage, the family, the dynamics, how you grew up, the grandparents, everybody. So like Lori would interpret me right now as yelling because that's how she was raised, right? By this amazing father who I adore. He's incredible, goes to Central. He's amazing, but never loses his cool, ever, like ever. And so, man, over the years, you know, I've had moments where I'm just, I'm not yelling at our kids. I'm just speaking to them very passionately. I'm not yelling at them. This is passion. And the mama bear claws come out towards me, little old me. And all of a sudden, Lori's like, Judson? It's my full name. Man, when she calls me Judson, y'all, I'm not scared of Lori. It's what every self-respecting man says to himself in his dishonest moments. But when she calls me Judson, I know like, okay, back. Because of this right here, mama bear. Mama ain't messing around. 
Here's why I tell you all that. The word compassion that we just saw in Exodus 34, in the Hebrew language, it comes from the same root as the word for womb. In other words, I think there's a double meaning here. On the one hand, it's a deep thing, this compassion. It's like a love that comes from the gut, from deep inside, from like the womb. But secondly, I think it's a love like a mother's love. God feels connected to his kids in a way that, that, that we can understand, like, like the way a mom feels connected to her kids. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. Like a mom's love can be just a little, it's just different. It's unique, right? They're, they're connected physically to their children. They, they love their children in a supernatural way. And this is kind of the root of the word compassion. When God says he has compassion on us, he's saying he loves his kids from a deep, deep place and he loves them in a way that, that, that he's connected to them. He's not distant from them. He's not um, sort of removed from their emotional needs in their lives. He's connected. He's compassionate. You know, moms are both the mama llama and the mama bear all rolled into one. And when you read, it's interesting. You read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament, you see God, you kind of see that coming out in God. You see the kindness, you compassion, you see all of that. But don't mess with him. Don't mess with his kids. Right? And when his kids were about, now I've watched, I've seen the mama bear come out on my kids too. When they were super disrespectful to somebody. Or they, you know, as little kids, they hit when they shouldn't hit. I mean, mama bear can come out on them as well because they're better than that. And they need to act better than that. <laughs> Some of you parents are like, that's my life. That's where I am. So God has compassion for us in our lives. Here's another place the word was used. 1 Kings chapter 3 in the Old Testament. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty well-known Old Testament story about King Solomon, and he was supposed to be incredibly wise. God had gifted him with, with tremendous wisdom, according to the Bible, and, and Solomon has two women brought before him, and this is the scenario. One woman says, look, we both live in the same house. We, had, we each had kids three days apart, and then her kid died in the night, and she switched her kid with my kid and claimed the next morning that my kid was hers, and, you know, she basically kidnapped my kid. And so Solomon's supposed to decide, like, well, who's the real mother? And you just have two people and their word, right? So Solomon says, bring me a sword. Now, he was the king, right? So they brought him a sword. Then he says, all right, cut the baby in half. We're going to give one half to this mom, and we're going to give one half to this mom. <laughs> Somebody's like, what? It's in the Bible? Different era. But he was testing them, right? He was, he was testing them to see how they would respond. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 26 says this. Then the woman, who was the what? Real mother of the living child, and who loved him very much, cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child, please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he'll be neither yours nor mine, divide him between us. And so, obviously, Solomon, after he heard their responses, said, give the child to the woman who was willing to give him up 
That is the true mother of the child. That's a mother's love. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because I want you to notice this. When the mother cried out, oh no, when it's describing the mother, it says the woman was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much. In the Hebrew language, that's the word compassion. It's the same word God described himself with in Exodus 34. So it's a love that is willing to give up something. Like she's willing to give up her child and let somebody else raise it so that it would live. And it's the same kind of love that God showed us when Jesus came into the world and ultimately lived and died and rose again for our sins. It's the love of a God who's willing to give up his son so that we could live and be forgiven and be free. It's that same kind of, so compassion isn't just a soft word. It's a powerful word. It's a word where somebody's willing to suffer for what they love because they have compassion for them. And so when Jesus comes to earth and walks and teaches, the number one emotional response of Jesus, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the biographies of Jesus, it's not anger. The number one emotional response isn't sadness or disappointment. The number one emotional response of Jesus, mentioned more times than any other, is compassion. So in Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, it says he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Matthew 14, 14, Jesus saw a large crowd who stepped from a boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Mark 1, 41, Jesus encounters a leper, and he's moved to compassion and touches him and heals him, which, by the way, you did not touch lepers. Hello? That'd be like, hey, I've got COVID, and then they cough in your face. You know, like, dude, you just don't do this. In Luke 7, Jesus says a widow, sees a widow who's at a funeral for her only son. His heart overflows with compassion, and he tells her, don't cry, and he brings her son back to life. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 and how um, the prodigal son returns home after doing all these things, and the father runs to him, embraces him, and kisses him. Why? Because the father is filled with compassion for his son. And this is the reason, I think, Jesus hangs around with sinners in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because he's compassionate just as his father is compassionate. I mean, think about this. This is, this is why the week Jesus went to the cross is called Passion Week, okay? Passion literally means to suffer. Compassion means to suffer with. And so Jesus, led by his love for his Father and his compassion for you and me, was willing to suffer and die so that you and I could live and live forever. So... Don't simply let your struggles define God's love in your heart and life. Let his love define your struggles. Your God is full of compassion, and that means that your God cares deeply for you. If he's got compassion, then he cares. The gods in the ancient Near East were not known to care. They didn't care. They, 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 they weren't deeply involved in the lives of the people that worshipped them. They, they, were, they, would, they would be viewed in such a way that they would have to be placated if something went wrong. They were emotionally distant. They were more like the other mother who's like, cut the baby in half and divide them up than the mother who's like, all right, fine, I'll suffer if that's what it takes for my child. And this idea, I think, it can literally start to change your life because what God's compassion means is he cares. He cares for you. 
Listen, if God cares, that means he hears your prayers. If God cares, that means he's moved by your struggles. If God cares, then he is with you today and tomorrow and every day. If God cares, then you're not alone. If he cares, then he's working on your behalf. If he cares, then no power formed against you will prevail. Listen, if God cares, your future's in his hands. He will send his strength when yours runs out. He will protect you. He will guide you. He will bless you at just the right time. If God cares, the world may be plagued with chaos, but it is not ruled by chaos. If God cares, you may face evil, but evil will not win. If he cares, you don't have to worry about what's coming. If he cares, you don't have to doubt your salvation. If he cares, you don't have to fear what others say or do, because God himself is your defender. If God cares, then you know he's with you. You know he's going ahead of you. You know that he's coming behind you. You know that he's all around you. You know that, man, even if you don't get things right, God is right and he is righteous and he will walk with you. If God cares, he'll help you grow. If he cares, he'll send his spirit. If he cares, he'll open the doors you need open. If he cares, he'll close the doors that you need shut. If God cares, he'll direct the nations. If he cares, he'll frustrate the plans of the wicked. If he cares, he'll lead our church. He'll lead your family. He'll lead your kids. He'll laugh with you, cheer with you, fight for you, and be with you. You could be sure of this because he's already died for you in Jesus Christ. So relocate your hope in 2021. We're in for a ride, y'all. But we already went on one ride and we came through it. We're still breathing. God's still on the throne, and he isn't finished working. The question I have for you today is, do you believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe he's full of compassion? Because if you believe that, it means he cares. It means he's emotionally invested in you like a mother is invested in her own children with a love that comes from the gut, from the womb. And he will watch over his children. Relocate your hope in him. Expect his compassion no matter what else may happen this next year. And let that give you strength as you move forward in faith. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never crossed that line of faith in your life. And I want you to know God loves you and cares for you. He introduces himself first as a compassionate God. And you can come to him and cry out for mercy and forgiveness. You can place your faith and trust in Jesus who lived and died and rose again for you. You can begin the spiritual journey walking with him and know that you are never alone. And if so, you're, if you're at a place in your life where God's been tapping you on the shoulder, where he's been calling you to come home to him, I'd love to give you an opportunity just to open your heart and life to God and respond to him at this moment. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can take that first step by repeating this prayer after me just to open your heart to God. It's not a final step, but it's a first step. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. 
help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Just slip your hand in the air. Thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you. Just reach out to him today. Thank you. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you today. I pray you fill them with your goodness, your mercy, your compassion. Walk with them and sustain them as they follow you in faith. I give you thanks for them in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life today. And if you made a spiritual commitment in your life, I just want to tell you congratulations. We're thrilled for you. We've created a resource called How to Follow Jesus. It's a simple daily journal. It'll help you understand how to pray, how to begin to read your Bible, how to start to grow in your faith in a practical way. Uh, so if you made that spiritual commitment, I wanna encourage you to go to central.family um, or you can just scan the QR code on the seat back that's in front of you. Uh, it'll take you there. And then click the link, I've decided to follow Jesus and we'll send you this resource. If we can pray for you or support you in any way, just let us know how we can do that because we would love to do that as well. Thank you so much, Pastor Judd, for that incredible message of hope. A great way to kick off our brand new series, Great Expectations. Be sure to be here every weekend for that series. It's going to be incredible, and it's just such a great reminder that we can have some awesome expectations of what God is going to do in 2021. Hey, if you made that decision today to follow Jesus, if you raised your hand, I want to say congratulations and let you know it's one of the best decisions you'll ever make. And like Pastor Judd mentioned, we have a resource we would love to provide you with. All you have to do is visit central.family, click the button that says, I decided to follow Jesus, and we'll get you that digital copy of the guide as soon as we can. Well, thanks for joining us this weekend. Remember, we go live every weekend, Saturdays at 5 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and 12 p.m., and we even rebroadcast the experience Wednesday nights at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m., all Pacific Standard Time. As you go through this week, remember to hang on to what Romans 8 says. If God is for us, who can be against us? Keep showing up.